You're listening to a BGE podcast. Friends and family gather round and fire up the barbecue. Let the smoke waft and float, that's what we're gonna do. You can't deny there's nothing like friends and family and food. Don't sit still, pull out your grill, we're gonna have a barbecue. Barbecue, it keeps us together when life wants to tear us apart. Barbecue, no matter the weather, under the sun or the stars. Fire is burning, the world keeps turning, don't worry what you gotta do. Cause if you're looking, you ain't cooking, fire up the barbecue. Fire up the barbecue. Thanks, Kirby, for our new little theme song. I want to give a big shout-out to Kirby from Making Good. If you guys remember, we were on a episode of the Making Good TV program, featured on that program several years back. And that's the song that Kirby wrote for Blind Grilling. And so uh, finally was able to get a hold of that. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Absolutely love it and really appreciate uh, everything that that organization, that group of guys did, especially Kirby and a lot of the other guys that just just really uh, helped showcase and feature and get the word out for Blind Grilling. It was awesome and glad to have that, uh, that little theme song going for us now moving forward. That's going to be uh, I, I just I've been trying to get it for so long, and and now we've got it. So that's awesome. I hope everybody loves it, and uh, be sure and share out the podcast, Blind Grilling Experience. Try to get the word out and help others to know that we are out here not only sharing some experiences and you know successes and failures at the grill, in the kitchen, and all of that, but also just trying to encourage others to you know not only have independence, be independent, go out and and cook, but share that passion with others as well. We got a couple of things that I want to talk about today on this particular episode, because not only did we have some questions come in, but there's a, there's a fear, I think, when it comes to fire and barbecue and, and, and grills that I want to try and help people to maybe get over or at least have a means and maybe a game plan when the, uh, the, the, the heat is just too hot, right? The fire is too hot. It doesn't seem to want to come down, doesn't want to cool down. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today and trying to uh, tame that fire on the grill and various ways that you can do that. And one of which might be a little counterintuitive, but... It really does work. So we're going to get into that. Before we do that, though, we got some emails in that I want to address. Dave up in Canada, buddy. Hi, man. Love hearing from you. Appreciate you shooting a text and asking your question. But Dave wants to know about putting the grill on a deck or patio. And if there needs to be something underneath a ceramic grill, like a big green egg or even a Weber kettle and how all of that works. And I'm sure, listen, if one person is asking the question, my inclination is that 
you know, you're not the only one thinking about this. So I want to kind of talk about it a little bit on the program because one thing you don't want to do is to put the uh, like a big green egg, for example, just set it down on the deck, the ceramics straight down on the deck, uh, and and cook with it because it will get. Uh, hot, too hot just to be sitting on wood. In fact, while there's been some changes, if you were to go back when I first got my uh, very first big green egg, it came with these little ceramic feet that lifted the egg up a little over an inch of clearance to help get some airflow, to help keep things kind of cool on the underside of that egg. And a lot of people were building at the time wood tables with a little hole cut out, you could go and get the plans, which you can still get the plans for folks to build their own tables and things. So all, all that is still out there, easily, uh, you know, accessible, ready. You know, you can find it and you know, make your own tables. But what they would recommend is to get a couple of large stones, like square stepping stones, garden stones, concrete stones, little slabs that you would put on the wood itself of the table, then put the little feet on uh, those stones and let lay or set the egg down on those little feet. And that would allow some airflow and provide some protection between the bottom of the grill and the wood table. Now, since then, that, you know, a few years later, Big Green Egg came out with a table stand which was just a little metal stand, little crossbars that uh, that had a couple of little lips on them and gave you four little feet that raised the egg up. And they call it a table nest for putting down on a, whether it's a, a wood table or a lot of these new carts that are aluminum, they fit in pretty good. Now there's a few carts. I've got the Wellspring cart that you don't need a table stand uh, or nest or anything underneath the way it, the the cart is actually built. There's a couple of ridges that the egg sets on and allows for some airflow underneath it. So so we that's already built into the table itself. And then the modular table that egg makes has a wire rack shelf basically that the egg sets down on. So you don't need you know any type of uh, standard nest for that it it the modular table acts as that stand but generally you would get a nest or you get a table or something to put the egg in which raises it up off of the wood if it's a wood deck or if it's a wood table they have different things you can get and put the egg in so that there's some airflow and it doesn't burn the deck now, when it comes to the Weber grills, generally they have legs that raise that Weber grill up off the deck with plenty of clearance so that you don't have to worry about burning a wood deck or anything like that. So uh, that, that's generally what you're looking for is several inches of clearance, if not a foot or better, uh, up off of the wood clearance or something between the grill and the wood surface that can help uh, keep the heat from getting to the deck itself. It, you know, nowadays, most of these grills are coming with stands. They're coming with, you know, different things you can put them on. If it's not built into the grill itself, 
you generally isn't something you really have to worry about. But the biggest thing is knowing that you don't just set the the grill as far as the uh, the part that's going to be heating up directly down on a a deck, right? That's a fire hazard. You don't want to do that for safety. And, and plus, you want to get it up at working level. So when you walk up to the grill, you walk up to whether it's an egg or a, a Weber or whatever it is, when you walk up to it, the door is, you know, right there at, you know, waist height or a little higher, you know, so you can, uh, you know, open it up and work with your food and with your charcoal. And, it you know, you're not bending over the fire. You're not you know, leaning down, you know, because it's sitting down on the deck. You don't want to do that. So uh, so right now with my big green egg in the table that I have, uh, in fact, it's got doors underneath. There's storage underneath where the egg is setting itself. So it, it there's a lot of room, a lot of distance and things between the grill and the deck itself that it is on. So uh, that's kind of my setup. And what I would recommend you look for when trying to get your layout and your setup for the grill that you have, making sure whether it's legs, feet, wheels, whatever it is, it creates plenty of distance between the bottom of your grill, your fire pot, fire box, and uh, and anything that would be wood underneath it, just in case it it does happen to get pretty hot. So, uh, so yeah, I appreciate Dave sending in the question. Another question came in from last week's episode that I did with Vince about bacon. And that's how do we know when the bacon is done? And that came in from Kevin uh, over in Indiana and appreciate Kevin listening as well. Now, I don't, I'm assuming you're just asking about uh, in general bacon, not just the homemade bacon that we did, because with the recipes that we followed and the bacon that we made, you know, we, after the seven days of the brining that we did in the refrigerator, we cooked that bacon to an edible temperature, right? So it was cooked through at a temperature of about 150 degrees internal temp on that pork belly. And so when we pulled it off, you could slice and eat it right then and there. And even when it's cold, you could slice it and eat it which is a little different than store-bought bacon, right? You Even though there's some cure done to it, you want to cook that bacon and not just eat it raw uh, like, you know, like it, like it comes from the store. So there's a little bit of a difference there. But you, with this homemade bacon, you can then slice it and cook it like bacon. It'll render down like bacon. It, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's awesome for that purpose. But how do you know when it's done? And that, I, I got to be honest with you, that's a tough one because a lot of times when you're wrapping things on a grill with bacon, whether it's a filet, whether it's a tenderloin, whether it's chicken, whether it's a jalapeno for jalapeno poppers or something like that, it, it can be a little difficult to know when the bacon is is done or finished, especially if you're cooking at a lower heat. If you're just low and slow smoking something, the bacon isn't generally going to really crisp up like you would expect bacon to do. So usually that's going to be on a higher heat cook. And if you're doing a higher heat cook, and I'm thinking, you know, 350 or above, you know, if you're cooking something for over 30 or rather over 20 minutes, there's a good bet the bacon will be done. Now, possibly could be a little crispier, 
you know, and if it's really high heat, maybe it comes out the the right crispiness for you and what you're looking for and what you want. But I don't really know, you know, obviously there's probably something visually that someone who can see would be able to tell, but I'm, I don't know. You know, it's one of those things that I've cooked and, and usually comes out great and get it right. But I, admittedly, there are some times when it's it's not the best. It's not all that great, uh, and the bacon probably needed to go a little bit more, or be cooked a little bit more. So um, I'm still working on that myself. So <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, but usually, if I'm doing something that's bacon wrapped, I try to do it at a higher heat. Even if at the end, if it's a lower heat, uh, like on a fillet, doing a reverse sear where you, you know, low and slow smoke, and then you sear it at the end. Um, you know, sometimes that works for the bacon. Uh, but um, I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to tell you, and I'm sorry. Um, it, it's really kind of trial and error and just kind of figuring out how it's going to go on your grill uh, more than anything else. Uh, because usually you're probing the food that the bacon is wrapped around to make sure it gets done. And the idea is once that's done, the bacon should be done enough. Or you can hit it with a torch or, you know, a quick sear, and that will kind of finish off that bacon and get that little crispiness done or render that fat down just enough so that the bacon is done. And that's just kind of how I handle it. And it seems to work out, I would say, 90% of the time. Uh, occasionally, it it's not all that great, but for the most part, it works out pretty well. You know, we'll do bacon wrapped asparagus, and asparagus doesn't take that long to cook, really. And sometimes it's hard to get the bacon done, especially if you're doing it at lower temps. So, you know, again, when you cook at higher temps, it helps to ensure that when the food, the bacon is wrapped around, is done, that the bacon is done. Um, and probably one of the few foods that if I'm cooking by myself or by itself, I do more so by timing than anything else. You know, if I'm doing bacon, whether it's on the skillet, you know, on top of the stovetop or in the oven, it's pretty much a timing issue. And that's just something you're going to have to learn uh, at the temperature you're cooking at and your oven or your stovetop or however you're doing it uh, and... Uh, and figure that out and just try to replicate it the next time. So, again, appreciate Kevin uh, writing in with his question as well. I talked to several folks this week and just uh, just got some encouragement, folks enjoying the, the podcast. And, uh, you know, if you're going to try that bacon, let me know. I really want to hear if you guys, you know, take a hankering to put your hand at making some bacon yourself. Shoot us an email, blindgrilling at gmail.com. Come and let us know how that works out for you. But uh, let's get into some fire management here in just a moment after we hear from our sponsor. Kickashbasket.com. For all your grilling accessory needs, whether you're looking for charcoal management with the baskets for a Kamado-style ceramic grill, for a big green egg, Kamadu Joe, Primos, whether you're looking for a charcoal basket for your Weber or even a PK360, we've got the charcoal baskets for you. We've got the kick-ash can for easy cleanup, insulated gloves, and lots of other grilling accessories 
Go to the website, check them out, and tell them Blind Grillin sent you kickashbasket.com. Yeah, guys, I tell you, it's one of those things when it comes to fire management, obviously we love the kick-ash baskets that help us to kind of keep our charcoal together and manage our charcoal, easy cleanup. But once we get everything lit, right, and the fire is going in the kick-ash basket, you're ultimately controlling things with your vents. The problem that people run into sometimes is they overshoot their temp. So let's say you're trying to get your grill up to 300 degrees, right? You're going to do a, a rib cook. You want to get your fire up to 300 degrees. And you got your bottom vent open all the way, your top vents open all the way. You crept up to about 250. And you know you got to be closing down that top vent. It's something happens. Inevitably, something always happens. The next thing you know, you're like, oh, man. I forgot about the grill or it's been, you know, 10 minutes instead of five minutes. You run out and your grill's sitting at 500 degrees and you're closing down vents. You're trying to cut off the airflow, but you don't want to kill the fire, right? Because you're wanting to do this cook. What are you going to do? How do you get that temperature down? So we're going to get to that because there is a solution, right? But first of all, let's talk about you know, using or taking advantage of, of timers, right? I've got an Apple watch and I'm always using the timer on my Apple watch. Uh, always telling, you know, the S lady to set a timer for so much long with the flame boss. You can also set timers as well to notify you when grills reach a certain temperature and, and things of that nature. So you know, there's all kinds of alarms and, and things that you can set for backups and, and help r remind you when the grill is getting to or at a certain temperature. But the best way to really get to that temperature and nail it down is to creep up to it. So if you're looking for a temperature of 300 degrees, when you get to that 225 to 250, you know, I'm, I'm closing down the top vent, right? If I'm not using a flame boss, if I'm using a flame boss, obviously it's going to do it for me, but I'm leaving that top vent until I'm getting, you know, around that 225, 250. And then I close the top vent completely, let the flame boss bring it up to 300 and it, it, it's there, right? It, it stays. But if I'm not using the flame boss, you know, I, I, I'm allowing the temp to come up. Say I've, I've, you know, I've got a, whether it's a Bluetooth thermometer or a Wi-Fi thermometer that's not controlling the grill, but at least telling me what the temperature is, whether it's the Flame Boss thermometer, whether it's, you know, some an eye grill or, um, you know, the what it, whatever temperature you're using, right? And you start closing down that top vent, but the temperature is still climbing, and so you can close that top vent a little more until it kind of levels out. Maybe it's not quite where you want it. Maybe it, you know, you've got it closed down and it stays at 275. That's fine. That that works great because what you can then do is open that top vent just a little bit more and let that temperature creep up to the temperature that you're looking for. And this can take some time. Some time, some occasions you're not wanting to take the time to do it, but. You know, that's where if you try to rush things, you know, you can you, you can really get yourself in a bind. But the best way to do this is to creep up on that temp and, and you know, make sure the fire's going, make sure it's rolling pretty good, get it up, 
you know, over 200 degrees before you start closing down that vent and then creeping up to the temperature that you're looking for. You know, I've learned my grill. I can, you know, with a finger and a half space, I know I can get, you know, I'm sitting really close to 400 degrees. With a f- single finger width on that top vent, you know, I'm at 300 to, you know, maybe 325. I start closing it below that, maybe a pinky width or something or along those lines, you know, generally it is at that 300 and and just under, you know, close it a little more, I can get down to 275. And that's with the newer regulator, not the old daisy wheel on the big green egg. But that's where it comes into learning your grill, learning where those vents are, how to set them, and how it controls that airflow coming in and feeding your fire so you can control your temperature. But the question that happens so often, and I'm not talking about just with blind and visually impaired folks, man. I'm talking about sighted folks. They go out and their temperature setting at 500, 600 degrees, sometimes even higher because you know they've gotten busy, caught up, distracted, whatever it is. The fire is way hot. They've got their vents closed down, top and bottom, just a sliver, and they've got it down to 400 degrees, maybe. Sometimes they can't even get it down that much and they can't get their grill down any more than that without just completely shutting down all the vents, putting the fire out, letting it go down and, and, and almost having to go, you know, relight the grill and, and just go through this process again. And, and sometimes that, that can create other issues, other problems, because if you close that grill down completely, until it comes down and try to open it up. If you're not careful, you can get a backdraft, you know, kind of, we talk about burping the egg and making that air, you know, rush in so that the fire doesn't rush out and burn your hair off your arms and eyebrows and all of that, which, you know, eggheads around the world have done. And if they haven't done it, they haven't had their egg very long (laughs) because everybody gets a little lazy and opens up that grill without thinking. And it happens. So the question is, what do I, if I don't shut it all the way down, what do I do? How can I get that temperature down? And here's where that counterintuitive idea comes into play, something you probably wouldn't have thought of doing, and it's add more charcoal. Yes, you heard me right. <laughs> add more charcoal. I, like I said, it sounds counterintuitive. It, it just does. It seems like it's that's the last thing you want to do is put fuel on the fire, right? But believe it or not, you open up that grill, and you know sometimes opening the grill is worse, right? If you just open up the grill, you think, "Oh, let all the hot air escape." Well, what's happening is your your grill is flooding in with oxygen. Then, and when you close the lid. It's not helping to stamp down that fire. It's just basically loaded it full of oxygen to burn up until it gets to where it's drawing in back from the vents again. And so what you want to do is, yes, you open it up, but then you put cold charcoal in it. Add fresh charcoal to it. And I don't know the science behind it, but I know this. It works. It will work. It will cool down that grill, keeping your fire going, and allow you to get caught up on your vents and and start controlling that temperature again. So that's the trick that I wanted to share with you guys today because it really 
and truly does work. And it, it, it's the, for those who know about it and those who have used it, you know, uh, it, it's really saved some cooks. It saves some time because, you know, for whatever reason we get distracted, you know, distractions happen. We get busy, you know, you know, on one dish prep and we move on to another and we forget that we need to go out and check the grill. I mean, it, it just, it just happens. It does. And so when that happens, you know, you don't have to panic, right? Um, Sometimes people panic because their grill seems like it's a raging inferno. The heat is just way out of control. And and that's the great thing about the ceramic grills, the eggs. You can just close them down, walk away, and and live to cook another day, right? And and it'll be fine. You can go through that process again, but it'll be all contained within the ceramics, and and it'll all work out fine. But when you want to do those cooks and you need to get that temp down and and getting the vents down to nearly, you know, just barely a sliver open, adding that charcoal will do it. It will bring down the temp and allow you then to kind of play catch up and get back to where you need to be to control the temp and get on with your cook. So uh, so give that a try, you know, and I, I think I think you guys will... Uh, will thank me later for that if if it's a tip that you haven't heard of before and yet you find yourself in that situation. You guys got some questions about some things that maybe we could answer? Shoot me an email, blindgrilling at gmail.com. Again, we love hearing from you guys. Blindgrilling at gmail.com is our email address. And it is, uh, you know, it's one that I monitor pretty regular. I use it for several things that we've got going on from not only the social media and the podcast, but uh, just, uh, again, several things that, that I'm involved in and engaged in and uh, you know use that to help share and spread the word as well, which I appreciate everybody doing as you share out the podcast, let folks know about the blind grilling experience. I've got some things that I, you know, I, um, I don't know if you guys are interested, but I've got some shirts, some blind grilling shirts that I would love to uh, give a couple away. And so if you guys want to shoot some emails out to me, let me know that you're interested in a shirt. Blindgrilling at gmail.com is the email address. Ask us a question. Tell us about a cook that you're cooking uh, out on the grill or something that you have going on. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, and uh, you know we'll, we'll see about reaching out to you and finding out a shirt size and shooting you a shirt, blind grilling shirt. It says, um, you know, if you're looking, you ain't cooking. And we just, they're awesome shirts. We love them and would love to share those with you as you guys help to get the word out as well. We're continuing to grow on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash blind grilling. Again, close to that 2000 mark. We've we've grown over 20 subscribers uh, since I mentioned it last time. We were at... 1970. We're over 1990 right now. So, 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 so close. Been uploading lots of shorts on the YouTube channel as well. A couple of just quick cooks and also some grills that have been checking out and some pizza ovens that we've been checking out. And so you can check those uh, on our YouTube channel and go to the shorts tab there uh, for the blind, for blind grilling. 
you should be able to watch those YouTube shorts. Also, be sure and give us a thumbs up on those as well to help get that spread out and the algorithms going to you know share out things as well. Got some more videos that we'll be doing coming up here pretty soon. Also, you know, we had some more hail come through this past weekend, a couple of days ago, had a huge hailstorm come through. And man, I tell you what, that top over our grills just keeps getting hammered. I'm going to get it replaced, but, you know, I it just hadn't had the time uh, to, you know, to really be able to go and we've got to take down the top that's there. We got to replace it and just haven't had the time, but we've got several things planned. We got some cooks planned coming up. You know, we've done some, the normal burgers and, and things, more fish and all of that, but we got a, some brisket cooks coming up and some other things that we're going to be doing out in the blind grilling experience kitchen. And so we'll be sharing that with you guys as we go as well. All right, guys, again, we appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. We're going to check out Kirby's song one more time. As we close, remember, if you're looking, you ain't cooking. And always remember to shoot us an email, blindgrilling at gmail.com. Friends and family gather around and fire up the barbecue. Let the smoke waft and float. That's what we're going to do. You can't deny there's nothing like friends and family and food. Don't sit still, pull out your grill. We're gonna have a barbecue. And barbecue, it keeps us together when life wants to tear us apart. Barbecue, no matter the weather, under the sun or the stars. Fire is burning, the world keeps turning. Don't worry what you gotta do. Cause if you're looking, you ain't cooking. Fire up the barbecue. Fire up the barbecue.